Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Glad you joined us for the Big Red Bench. On this Sunday evening, we have a packed show coming away between now and 7 o'clock. I'm going to talk to Darren O'Sullivan and Melissa Duggan today after Corpy Galway to book their place in the All-Ireland Final. And we're going to be talking about the debacle of changing venues just a couple of hours before thrown with Jer McCarthy, who's in Dublin today for the Big Red Bench. Also on the show, we're going to preview Cork City's FAI Cup Final. The Rebel Army taking on P-Mount United in Tallinn next weekend. We'll talk to their boss, Ronan Collins. We're going to talk to Stephen Birmingham, the man who suggests that Queeveen Kelleher become a goalkeeper. Kelleher keeping a clean sheet for Liverpool against Ajax in the Champions League during the week. Lots going to reaction from the All-Ireland Football Championship semi-finals and plenty more besides as well. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Right here with you until 7pm this evening and we have a voucher to give away for Supermax tonight, 25 euro voucher with thanks to our friends at supermax.ie to enter text 086 8104 you can send that by text or by WhatsApp and the answer to this very simple question, who did Cork defeat today in the All-Ireland semi-final who did Cork defeat today in the All-Ireland semi-final 086 8104 by text or WhatsApp, your name and the answer to that question, you can be winning the Supermax voucher, you can visit Supermax Alright, just going to wrap up all today's action before we uh, go to Croke Park and hear, hear from the Cork Ladies footballers. They have beaten Galway 270 to 13 points to put their place in the All-Ireland final. They'll face Dublin in the final in two weeks' time. Today's game, of course, moved to Croke Park on late notice. The original venue, Parnell Park, was deemed unplayable because of a frozen pitch. So, last minute scramble. Um, resulted in the game being moved to Croke Park. We'll talk about this in a bit more detail with John McCarthy in just a little bit. But the upshot of that was, or the the net result of that was, um, they had to, of course, move from Parallel Park to Croke Park. Um, Galway were en route. They had to then divert to Croke Park. Galway didn't get a huge amount of time to warm up, maybe about 10 minutes before the game started. Eventually, at 10 past one, which was 20 minutes before it was supposed to start in Parallel Park. Bit of a shambles, to be honest. As a result, the game wasn't on TV. Um, so nobody could see it it was a strange all afternoon so we'll talk to you in a bit more detail about that uh, later on in the show but Cork are in the final um, Cork um, facing Dublin the Dubs have won the last three finals the Rebels are looking for their first win since 2016 the Dubs of course beat Cork in 2018 as well Mayo and Dublin will meet in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship final Mayo have beaten Tipperary by 13 points 5-20 to 313 Killian O'Connor with four of those Mayo goals meanwhile Cork goalkeeper Anthony Nash has announced his inter-county retirement in a post on social media today the Cantor club man said it was a dream to represent Cork he thanked his family friends and his teammates he won four Munster titles with the Rebels and was named an All-Star twice in 2012 and 2013 now the FAI Cup final kicking off in just over a half an hour's time 20 to 7 is the kickoff time for that one I'm not sure I've ever seen a match kick off at 20 to 7 uh, cool, it's a correction on that one but I think it's the first time I've ever seen a match kick off at 27 but it's Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk in the extra.ie FAI Cup final at the Aviva Stadium this evening a repeat of last year's decider the Stephen Bradley side winning on penalties so that starts at 27 today um, Shamrock Rovers it says here looking to complete an unbeaten domestic double just 90 minutes away from that in a shortened season can you be really claiming that you were unbeaten domestically going invincible season in a shortened shortened season not entirely sure you can, but I'm not sure Shamrock Rovers fans will care too much 
about that. In the Premier League, uh, Tottenham are 2-0 up on Arsenal. 77 minutes on the clock there at uh, Youngman's son and Harry Kane with the goals there for Spurs and uh, if that result stays the way it is they'll go back at top of the table uh, Liverpool and uh, Wolves is a 7.15 kickoff. no team news from there as of yet but we are expecting Cuevin Kelleher the former Ringman Rangers man the court man to start in goal after keeping a clean sheet uh, earlier on in the week against Ajax in the Champions League look very very calm as well very composed Alisson of course out injured so we're expecting Cuevin Callagher to continue between the sticks tonight but uh, as soon as we get team news on that from Anfield we will bring it to you and as I mentioned we'll be talking to Stephen Birmingham a little bit later on in the show about uh, Kelleher's progression uh, to uh, from outfield player to goalkeeper and his progression onto Liverpool as well. Uh, two results from earlier on today in the early kickoff. Crystal Palace had a big win away to West Brom. David Easton reports. West Brom won, Crystal Palace won level at the break, but Palace now with a man advantage after Mateus Pereira's red card just after the baggies had equalised. Darnell Furlong had gifted Palace the lead, turning Wolf Zaha's cross into his own net, but he very nearly equalised himself when his header crashed off the bar. Soon West Brom were level as Conor Gallagher fired home his second goal in a week from the edge of the area again from good work by Furlong but they lost Pereira when his kick out of Van Aanholt was spotted by VAR the referee Paul Tierney changed his yellow into a red West Brom 1 Crystal Palace 1 Elsewhere, uh, Leicester City uh, beating Sheffield United by two goals to one earlier on in the, in that game. And uh, Sheffield United uh, starting to struggle a little bit, uh, struggling to get points. So it's uh, a bit of a battle for them towards the bottom of the table. They just one point in 11 games, uh, five, six points off safety as things stand at the moment. So not going all too well at all for the Blades. Elsewhere, as I mentioned, that Liverpool and Wolves game is a 7.15 kick-off. Uh, Celtic not going too good good for them at all, at all, at all. Finished one all between Celtic and St. Johnson at Celtic Park. That means that the Hoops have not had a win in any competition in four weeks. Rangers beat Ross County 4-0 away from home in the lunchtime game. So that means that Celtic are 13 points behind Rangers in the battle for the championship. In rugby, England winning the Autumn Nations Cup after a dramatic 22-19 sudden death victory over France at Twickenham today. Eddie Jones' side securing a late try to send the game to extra time and then captain Owen Farrell kicked the winning penalty. Current secure third place in the competition yesterday with victory over Scotland. Racing history is made at Punchestown today. The Willie Mullins trade Min won the John Durkin Memorial Steeplechase for a record third time. The nine-year-old guided home by the trainer's son, Patrick Mullins. Uh, finally, in the roundup, um, some sad news today. Peter Alice, the voice of golf for the BBC, the voice of golf in general, to be perfectly honest, passed away. The veteran commentator was 89 years of age. He became a lead commentator for BBC's golf coverage in 1978 and he was active up until very recently covering last month's Masters as well. As uh, so 31 professional wins before retiring in 1975, played on eight, eight Ryder Cup teams. And just that voice, that voice, that velvet voice, absolutely sensational. Here's a little clip of the genius himself, Peter Alice. This is from the uh, 2012 uh, Open Championship. Well, welcome back to a few uh, crazy people here at Lytham. This is our summer, although you wouldn't think so. You might be in Alaska on a wet Sunday, but uh, they're enjoying it, believe it or not. We're a funny, masochistic lot. We're getting more and more overweight as the years go by. Everyone's sitting in front of the television and playing with their whatever they play with. 
Some of the kids will you stay sleeping, son, one day you'll be overweight and out of work. <laughs> like 90% of the world these days. <laughs> You're a classic. Yeah, You're a here classic. we go. Yeah, a classic is one way to describe Peter Alice, indeed, the voice of golf. And, you know, on Sunday and... Watching golf and Peter Alice is on. That you're always in, in for a good afternoon. Very, very sad news to hear him pass away today at the age of 89. All right, we are going to start uh, with ladies football and uh, Cork's win over Galway today. We're going to talk to Joe McCarthy shortly, who is uh, in Dublin for us today. But uh, Joe got a chance to speak to Cork's Jenna Sullivan and Melissa Duggan following their win over Galway today. Darren O'Sullivan, um, I don't think you've ever had a day quite like today. Uh, can you just tell me what happened prior to the match being changed to Crow Park and when you were told? Yeah, so earlier on in the week, I suppose, the venue was changed from Limerick to Dublin. So then Efi came in, I think at about half 11, saying that the venue was changed from Parnell Park to Crow Park. And we thought he was messing, um, genuinely thought he was messing. And we were laughing, whatever. And he was like, girls, I'm deadly serious. The match is changed to Crow Park at one o'clock throwing. So I suppose there was extra nerves. Um, but I think um, we have been together so long that we were cool, calm and collected. And I think um, the first 15 minutes, we just did the simple thing with the ball um, and played ourselves into the game um, we promised each other we wouldn't go away from the game plan um, we'd done a lot of homework on Galway and a lot of work on ourselves playing to our positives our strengths and, and we did that today thankfully um, From your own point of view like Galway were tough opponents as you said you got those two goals though, early on they were the big changer I think in that first half and at the end of the game as well Yeah I suppose um, Galway were pressing high so there was gaps there at the back um, and I suppose the girls were very patient coming up with the ball um, we Melissa and Erica, Shauna Kelly uh, running the wings. So we did we did stretch Galway, uh, made big use of, of the big pitch, um, stretched um, the wings as much as we could and we, we found gaps there. And I think the first and second goal settled us down massively. And then the third goal, uh, Melissa hasn't stopped talking about it since now, but she scored a goal with her left leg now, so we'll never hear the end of that. <laughs> Congratulations, Darren. We'll talk to you again Thanks for the final. Uh, I suppose there's only one person to talk to after that. Congratulations, <laughs> Melissa. Was it that fantastic? Goal. No, it really wasn't. Um, I know. I suppose I was just the nearest one to the goal, so I said I'd have a pop at it. You know, while you're off there, you might as well. You don't get too many chances to swing back. But um, yeah, um, I just left fly really the, with the goal. It was team effort. You know, we walked it up through the lines um very well, and we were quick. And you know, um, I was just the nearest to the goal, and it was off my left leg and everything. <laughs> but fair play to you. Um, considering all your people this morning, it must be great though to be back in all and finally you can put that behind you now and you got to play at Crow Park yeah um, do you know I love playing in Crow Park you know um, it's a quick surface you know um, it suits runners and I suppose you know I really like playing in it so I was delighted when I heard that I was on in Crow Park I, I, you know it was the best news ever to be honest and in fairness I suppose um, we all took that really well this, this morning you know it was a bit of um, upheaval and nobody knew what we were doing but you know Darren um, in fairness she calmed us down you know we took a few minutes uh, deep breathing before the game at half time you know it took a step by step and um, you know we went out and we worked well as a team today and that's what is important and that's what worked well for us because they had your hands full with that forward line today you were you were doing a lot of defending as much as you were bursting forward but probably the best possible preparation for dubs yeah um, exactly yeah um, you know that Galway forward line is superb you know and especially from you know the 
middle eight they're, they love running and attacking and you know we really focused on that we you know not too much on that Galway side but we knew what was ahead of us um, so we really wanted to you know stop that middle eight we'll say running through us um, and I think we did that we communicated well um, between you know midfield half back half forward line do you know that's I think where we won the game today and um, you know it's fantastic to get the win and it was great preparation for us for Dublin yeah That's Melissa Duggan there and you also heard from Jonas Sullivan talking to Gerard McCarthy um, earlier on today up in Croke Park of course the venue changed from Parnell Park to Croke Park last minute uh, so after the game um, I got Ger on the line to discuss the change in venue and the impact it had on the game what it says about ladies football as a whole uh, Cork's uh, performance today of course which was uh, professional and they got the job done and of course the final with Dublin so this is my chat with Ger Alright, joined on the line now by a man who's had a more eventful day than most and that's Mr. Ger McCarthy who joins us on the line uh, that's probably putting it mildly Ger is it? A uh, small bit, all right. If I ever write another book, I know exactly where it's start, and that's today, Rory, because it's just unbelievable. For, I mean, it's all Ireland Ladies semi final day. Two very, very talented teams getting ready to go to Parallel Park, put everything on the line in the most unusual of seasons, and uh, not even, I'd say, three quarters of an hour, maybe an hour before showing. Uh, I get a text saying the game has been moved from Parallel Park to Crow Park and to redirect it there so that's where the day started Begs the question Ger why wasn't it fixed for Crow Park to begin with? A very good question and a very sensible one um, I think the reality is that the weather was very very cold up here and uh, the pitch was icy there was a late pitch inspection by the referee uh, in Parallel Park um, and it, it couldn't go ahead but I suppose this was the big thing really Rory is that you saw a little time to turn it around and get across the city it wasn't too bad for Cork in that they stayed overnight the night before. But the Galway players, Galway drove up today. So they were well on the way, much like all the media were on their way to the actual stadium in Parallel Park when they were told, no, you got to reroute. And worse again, it, it was a quarter, it was supposed to be a one o'clock throwing, which put huge pressure on everybody to get there and get out in the pitch. And even before a ball was thrown in, I'd say Galway barely did a 10 minute warm up if he did yeah. it at all. So not ideal, not very good optics. And a lot of questions to be answered. Was there a lot of anger after the game, Ger? To be honest, I think Cork were just so happy the couple of players that they managed to speak to were delighted just to be in the All-Ireland final again. And I suppose one of the bonuses with all of today is that they got to play at Crow Park. And you can never play in Crow Park often enough, especially for the younger players in the Cork panel. It was a good experience and a good performance. But if you're dedicating your life to playing ladies football, representing your club and your county, and you get to an All-Ireland semi-final, and you get treated like this. Now, nobody can do anything about a frozen pitch, that's fair enough. But just the whole rearranging on the fly, getting everybody over to Crow Park, and luckily the game was played. And then, I suppose, the real fallout, and more so than the players and the management, is the fact that everybody, and we saw it on the Big Red Bench timeline, definitely the yeah. anger at the game couldn't be shown live. Um, was a huge disappointment because a lot of people were looking forward to it. And from Tina G's point of view, it's not great. From the Ladies Football Association point of view, it's not great. And look, it's it was just frustrating. And if it was frustrating for the media, I can only imagine how frustrating it is tonight for Tim Rabbit and the Galway team because they don't deserve that. Um, and the fact that they got so little time to prepare like they normally would ahead of the biggest game, some of their players of their lives, they might not ever get back to Crow Park again. 
it's incredibly, incredibly frustrating and really, ang- I would imagine there's still quite a lot of anger in that Galway camp and plenty of anger in the Cork camp too. Yeah, I'd imagine. So as you mentioned, like Galway, 10 minutes of a warm-up, they arrive onto the Croke Park pitch at 1 o'clock. It's far from ideal and it's an All-Ireland semi-final, Ger. It's just not good enough. No, it's not. And you, you like the Cork team were warming up, I'd say, a good 10 minutes before them and, and, and on such a cold day. And let me tell you, as you know yourself, Rory, from being in Croke Park, how cold it is up here at this time of the year. Not long that, but the media, not, not that anybody's going to be crying tears over the media. We couldn't even sit in the media section. We had to sit in the stand to the opposite side of the media section because that had been reserved for all the media that were coming in for the Tipperary and Mayo game. And can I just say, I think it is worth saying that Crow Park staff did a fantastic job today because they were under an awful lot of pressure. They turned it around. They had a lot of people turning up. They, all the checks were done for COVID. Masks were checked, the whole lot. I have to credit them with that. But it should never have come to that. I mean, there should have been a mitigation plan. If the, if the pitch isn't playable in the middle of December, there should be a plan B. And plan B should not be two teams racing across the city for a quarter past one throwing um, and putting people under unnecessary pressure when they've dedicated their whole year and their whole lives to getting to an All-Ireland final. And it, as somebody, a lot of people are pointing out on the Red FM social media accounts and definitely on the big red bench, it's a, it wouldn't happen in the men's game and you would have, you couldn't disagree with that. No, you couldn't. And it goes back, I suppose, to the fixing of the semi-final originally for Limerick when there was a huge probability that the venue was going to be unavailable to begin with. Yes, I, I think this is only adding fuel to the fire no, of, a, of, a, of a situation, an issue that I think everybody had hoped had gone away, but it clearly no hasn't because what's really disappointing from my point of view, I mean, if Fitzgerald's anger was palpable as everyone heard from what happened, but I, do, I, I don't know, the Ladies Football Association bring out a statement a couple of days saying, well, we only moved it because of your dual players. I mean, who's that, who's that helping and who's that pointing the finger at now? We're at a stage now where and the year, the 2020 movement, and the year with, with the Irish International Ladies team, with Camogie, with, with all the different sports, Irish ladies rugby, women's rugby, we're trying. We're looking to get parity. That's all we're looking to do is get parity for the sports, and that's asking quite a lot even in 2020. This is another backward step in my mind, and I know the Ladies Football Association did everything they could to get the game played today. It wasn't ideal. It was far from satisfactory, but they got the game played, and they were lucky that they had Crow Park available to them to do that. But this, this though brings up the issue again about when we're fixing games. Is it, are we trying to fit in the ladies' games around everything else? Or is it being treated fairly? And at the moment, I'd say we have to say the farmer. It's just, let's get the ladies' games in if we can at all. Yeah, I have to say I was quite disappointed myself with that ladies' football statement during the week. It seemed to amount to, to saying, well, Cork, we changed this free, so stop cribbing, basically. Well, yeah, it can be interpreted that way. And look, I, I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate in the middle of all of it. I understand the palpable anger of the jewel players who are having their names cropped up again in the statement and the finger being pointed at them, which is totally, un- I don't think is right at all. Um, they're the very people we should be putting on the backs of buses and on everywhere to, to show young girls that you can play both sports, come over and football, and you can represent your county. Um, that's another issue that rose up this year and it doesn't need to be there and, it, and it, that's not going away either. But I think there's a lot of anger and a lot of frustration with the Ladies Football Association too, to be fair. They, they're feeling a lot of frustration. There's an awful lot of things this year, moving parts in the year that was in it. I would say that much about them. They have done the best job to the best of their ability. But today, well, whether they were right, wrong or indifferent, Rory, today, today and what happened today will not reflect well on them. And I think there's nobody going to be pointing the finger at Cork or anyone else after today. This is just for Galway and I do really feel for Galway because when you see a team coming out five, ten minutes before an all and having driven up in their cars separately 
and switched, you know, from one ground to the other. It's not ideal and it's not fair. And again, what can you do? What can you do? What can you say to them? But look, that's the situation that arose. It's, it's very unfortunate. But I think in future, if games are being played this late in the year and especially ladies football championship in All-Ireland and Camogie as well, they're going to have to start mitigating for potential um, pitches being frozen over. And I, I think, I don't know if that was done today. Um, they, they just managed to get things done at the seat of their pants. But look, they got the game played, I suppose, which is something. And Cork had to go up in a professional performance to beat Galway today. They did that. They're in the All-Ireland final. And uh, judging by the tweets that you were putting out on the Big Red Bench today, Jerry, they were good value for that win. Yes, they were. And I suppose it's good to be talking about the football because they didn't start well, uh, Cork. I didn't think they started particularly well. They were they were certainly being Galway fronted up to them very, very well. Their back, uh, their half back line and their full back line were meeting about the 45 metre line and they were struggling to get through. And it took a bit of magic from Erica O'Shea, one of the breakout stars of this year from McCroom. She was, she started a move which ended with another half back, Melissa Duggan, popping up and scoring a great goal and how happy she was with that goal as well, the dynamic player. Um, and that settled Cork. And I think after that, the fact that they held Galway scoreless from play, Tracy Leonard did kick over a couple of early frees, but they held them, I think, pretty much for 20. 20 odd minutes scoreless from play it just shows you that they grew into the game very quickly and a, a word too for somebody who deserves a big mention that's Kira O'Sullivan from Mornabi she ended up scoring in a very very important goal but she was excellent at centre forward today herself and Orla Finn and Orla Finn once again uh, you know 8-9 frees what was it 8-3s uh, and one from play um, absolute brilliant show from her and they needed her to do that today but I honestly I don't think the game was over at half time Rory but I think at the start of the second half when Galway realised it looked like Galway weren't going to get a goal Cork just kept the scoreboard ticking over and it, you're right I think you're that's the best way to describe it. It was a professional performance. And just speaking to Melissa and Darren O'Sullivan after the game the captain Melissa mentioned the fact that look when Efi came in and said look the game's being moved from Parnell Park to Crow Park, a lot of them started laughing and they, they didn't take him seriously. But when they found out when he was serious, <laughs> once again, the Mornabi captain, or sorry, the, the Mornabi player, Darren O'Sullivan, she stepped forward and, and just basically, Cork captain, collected everybody and said, right, this is what's happening. It's, we're just going to have to get on with it. Everybody just calmed down. And I think she actually played a real captain's role today. She was fouled quite a lot today and won a lot of frees as well. She won't make the headlines, but Darren, I think, is quietly having one of her best seasons in a Cork jersey. Maybe not necessarily on the scoreboard, but what she's giving to the team and the way she's leading that team. Um, I've been hugely impressed with her this year. And it's Dublin now in the final. Jared Dub's gone for four in a row. Cork, of course, beaten by them two years ago. They beat Cork, or they beat Dublin three times in a row a couple of years back as well. So mm. it's an intriguing, intriguing game on paper. And um, would Dublin go into that game as favourites? I'd imagine. Yeah, well, they'll say it's Cork, but I think based on what <laughs> based on what I've seen, based on what I've seen um, on telly, you now I have been at the Dublin games, but watching their games on television, I think they're going really, really well. Armagh did test them. But they were missing two or three players and two or three got injured during the game. And it's just like the men's team. When, once, when one gets injured, just another player steps up and the machine keeps rolling. And it's very, very hard. It's very, very hard to predict it right now. There's going to be a big build-up, which is great. And there's going to be a lot of attention and eyes on it. And it's going to be in Crow Park. And it should be a fantastic occasion for ladies football and end what's been a very difficult year on a high note, I hope. But right now, I think Cork are slowly getting better. But they've only played three championship matches. And I think they're a team. The more matches they play, the better they get. Um, there was some kind of defensive lapses today. There was a couple of... Um, 
mistakes early on, but they've been the mistakes have been getting less and less as the games have gone on. Definitely since the Cavan game up in Burr, and certainly since the first half against Kerry down in Chile, which we covered for the big red bench, Cork have definitely improved. And that full forward line, I mean, Saoirse Noonan, what more can be said about this? Yeah. Couple of goals yesterday for Cork City, jumps in the car, drives to Dublin. Didn't have her best match today, but she was everywhere. She was all over the pitch, really showing for the ball. And herself, Anya Terry O'Sullivan from Berra and Duran, that is a serious full forward line. And what they give Cork in terms of work rate and creativity, it brings that half back line that we talked about, Eric Gaucher, um, you know, Melissa Duggan, Sean, and all these other players are starting to pour up upfield. The Kylie's as well. Uh, Emer Kylie had a very good game today in the wing. You know, they're the team is coming together nicely. I think if you ask Keefe, he'd prefer, like every other coach this year, would have preferred to have played a lot more matches. Um, having only three competitive games under the belt when you come to face Dublin isn't ideal. Yeah. But I think I think this is going to be really, really close. And I think it's going to be an absolute humdinger between two teams who will go all out for victory. And let's hope it ends on a high note for ladies football. But, you know, I'm certainly not ruling Cork out, but I would have Dublin as the slightest of favourites right now. At least we won't have a venue debacle and a lack of broadcasting debacle for the final. <laughs> anyway. well, yeah, so we, we should mention, yeah, that there, we were told after the game in the stand that there was no... Um, there was no aftermatch uh, interviews for managers or captains, so we did our best by scrambling around to the other side of the Crow Park to get a few comments. So we have a few, <laughs> we have a bit of audio already, but um, we'll have a bit more audio hopefully for the podcast as well this week. But not ideal, but look, Corker in the All Ireland final, that should be the headline up against Dublin once again unfortunately I don't think it will be but it, it's a good day for Cork ladies football it is indeed and not a good day for ladies football as a whole but as you say hopefully lessons will be learned and they can move on from this yes we don't want to say to me jogging down O'Connell Street and changing you know changing direction after getting a text saying it's not in Parnell Park don't get on that there get, get, yeah, down, yeah. get yourself down to Grove Park uh, chariots of fire stuff but look <laughs> um, I think it's uh, as I said and I, I think look the headline will be Corker back in, in a final. We've got two of the best, two probably the two best teams in the country. I don't think that's being unfair to anyone else. Let's hope that they deliver uh, an All Ireland final fitting of the occasion, and I think they will. Fingers crossed. Jar, thanks for today, buddy. A pleasure as always, and safe trip back home. No bother. Talk to you soon. Yeah, it's Jim McCarthy there in Dublin for the Big Red Bench today uh, for Cork uh, and Galway in the Senior Championship uh, semi-final Teach Car All-Ireland Ladies Football Championship semi-final and uh, talking uh, I suppose the Cork getting to the final is the main point of today but the venue debacle and uh, moving from Parnell Park to Croke Park in such short notice and the uh, Ladies Football uh, Association released a statement, the email us a statement, and they just said they wanted to clarify matters, and they said that Parallel Park was unplayable due to frost. The game... Um the decision then to move the game from Parnell Park therefore was made in the interest of player safety. A request to accommodate the fixture at Croke Park was made to the GAA at 10.20am and the LGFA was informed at 11am the game could be played there. The Galway team in Kinnegad at the time received first notification at 10.53am that there was an issue at Parnell Park. We were acutely aware that Galway were travelling at the time and they were informed that the LGFA had contacted Croke Park in relation to a potential venue and time change. Galway were informed once confirmation was forthcoming from Croke Park at 11am that they should proceed to the venue for a 1 o'clock throw-in. The 1pm throw-in time was scheduled due to the fact that a result on the day was required with extra time and 30 metre kicks a possibility. Cork, who were based in Dublin overnight, were also contacted at this stage 
and made aware of the new arrangements. While recognising that a change of venue and time was not ideal, the alternative was to postpone the game. The health and safety of our players was to the forefront in the LGFA's decision to proceed at Croke Park. We wish to thank the GAA most sincerely for making Croke Park available to the LGFA at short notice. The game got underway at 1.10 to afford both teams an extra 10 minutes to prepare. The LGFA regrets the game is not available to viewers despite concerted efforts to secure live coverage. We congratulate Cork on qualifying for the final against Dublin at Croke Park on December 20th and offer our commiserations to Galway on the day. So that's the statement that the LGFA uh, released uh, earlier on this afternoon. Um, in fairness... Getting a venue uh, on short notice and getting Croke Park um, for the game, I suppose, deserves some credit. But it's massively unfair on players who are prepared to play in Parallel Park and the lack of warm-up time ahead of the game. And not to mention that we, there was no broadcast. We couldn't watch the game today as a result of the game. And as I said to Joe, why wasn't the game fixed for Croke Park initially? Um, so massively disappointing um, from that regard. But look... Cork won during the All-Ireland Final um, they're happy with that they played Dublin in two weeks time that's the, the positive thing to take from today but hopefully today lessons will be learned and similar um, occurrences won't happen again going into the future Alright uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about Queen Kelleher the uh, Ringman Rangers man making his Champions League debut for Liverpool he's in the team to face Wolves tonight in the Premier League at 7.15 we'll discuss uh, his progression with one of his former coaches Stephen Birmingham a little bit later on and in the show and we're also going to talk to Cork City women's boss Tony Collins ahead of the FEI Cup final next weekend Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie <laughs> Corks Red FM. Right, full time uh, report from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Tottenham have beaten Arsenal. Nigel Bidmeet. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. Spurs are back on top of the table after a comfortable North London derby victory. Kyung Min Son hit the first on 13, a right footed curler from the left, and Harry Kane added a second in stoppage time at the end of the first half. A powerful left footed shot from a tight angle that went in off the underside of the crossbar. Arsenal were one dimensional with cross after cross from the left, easily headed away by the home side's rock solid defence. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. Yes, so that's how it finished in the Premier League today and uh, Arsenal in a little bit of trouble but uh, Tottenham back top of the table after that uh, result uh, this afternoon two points clear of Chelsea Arsenal 15th place just 13 points in their 11 games so far and as I mentioned Cuevin Kelleher starts on goal for Liverpool tonight he had a fantastic performance earlier on in the week yeah, against Ajax in the Champions League keeping a clean sheet uh, pulling off some tremendous saves uh, as well. So we'll see him in the uh, starting lineup again tonight. Shane Pennington's at Anfield. For the first time since being Crown Premier League champions, Liverpool welcomed back a lucky 2,000 fans to Anfield for the first time in nine months as Jurgen Klopp's men look to extend their unbeaten home run in the league to 65 matches. Trying to stop them at a Wolves side who arrive here off the back of a win at Arsenal last weekend, they've made their best start to a top-fight campaign since 1980 and if they can win here tonight, hopes may well be raised of a push for a top-four finish. At Anfield... It's Liverpool and Wolves. That's a 7.15 kick-off tonight. A competition on the show this evening. 25 euro voucher with thanks to our friends at Supermax. Visit supermax.ie to enter. Text 086-8104-106. And uh, the answer to this question, who did Cork defeat today in the All-Ireland semi-final? Who did Cork defeat today in the All-Ireland semi-final? 086-8104-106. By text or WhatsApp, include your name as well, please. 
And we'll announce the winner at the end of the show, and that's with thanks to supermax.ie. And as I mentioned, uh, Cuevin Keller starting tonight, uh, started in the Champions League for Liverpool, kept a clean sheet as well um, as they defeated Ajax and some magnificent saves. And earlier on today, I spoke to the man who had a large part to play. Kelleher's move to playing in between the sticks Stephen Birmingham It's been an incredible week for Cork's Cuevin Kelleher a clean sheet on his Champions League debut and one man who knows him more than most is Stephen Birmingham who joins us on the line now Stephen how are you sir? Yeah very good yourself? Very good thanks for taking the call anyway first off um, tell us about your connection I suppose first off and where you first came across Cuevin um, Obviously um, kind of an interesting one how he actually came across going into goal Um I would have probably prior to that I would have worked with Cuevin's brother Fiacra, um with the Kennedy Cup squad who actually went on to play with Celtic and I would have played uh, hurling uh, with uh, Cuevin's other brother his older brother Kim and my brother would have played golf with his um, with his other brother so they're obviously very very big into sport and a big sports family um, and I was up in Corinthians Park uh, and Corinthians were playing ring man Cuevin was playing up front for ring man um, and I bumped into his mother Jackie and we just got talking how how the lads how his fear was getting on and you know, how Queen was getting on and stuff and we just got he was talking about the Cork squad and um, that he was actually currently on the Cork squad and the squad was being reduced um, the following week and he that she didn't feel he didn't feel that he was going to get selected or whatever so I kind of put the question saying did he ever would he ever try and goal Um and she uh, kind of responded. She was kind of, kind of, she was kind of a bit of a shock. But <laughs> she said, "I never thought of this." Because um, at the time, we had a very, very good goalkeeping kind of um, through the FEI, but a very good goalkeeping set up going um, through the emerging talent. We had a goalkeeping academy going as well on a Wednesday in the fourth with the FEI force and um, through McConroy. So I asked her, "Would, would, would he try it?" Um, and he obviously had never played in goal in his life. Um, I knew, based on his brothers as well, and based on the family themselves, they were obviously great sports people and great attitudes, hard workers. Um, obviously, his brother was six foot five, um, would have the height as well in the long term. Um, so she said she talked to him. About three days later, um, his father came back, Ray came back to me, asked me, he said, he's willing to give it a go. Um, I think he needs to be persuaded a small bit initially. Um, because obviously he was a very good, he was a good outfield striker. Um, so he gave it a go. So we brought him up to the FEI, um, the Emerging Talent Program, um, and we started with two groups going on there. So we started to work with him. We, at the time, there was some very, very good goalkeepers coming through. Um, a lot of the international keepers from underage were coming from Cork, and so we were actually there was a lot of development. Why the keepers were very, very good. Um, so he came in and he was working with them and. Like he was working, we were working one on one with him uh, through the emerging talent, and obviously he never played in goal before, so he was starting from scratch. So he had no, technically he had no bad habits. He didn't, he had no. So we were able to, to teach him from from the basics, uh, and he just took to it so well. Just from from the first session, I remember his father after me asking how did he get on. I said it's just it was like natural to him for his first time ever playing in goal, and that was the way it kind of started. Um, his father, he came back after and said he really enjoyed it. And we bought him to the next session and he just got, he went from strength to strength. Mm. And you could see just how comfortable he is on the ball with the ball at his feet that all those years playing outfield has really stood to him. Yeah, I mean, that, like what, what you saw the other night um, against Ajax, he was like that since he was 14, 15 years of age. Um, 
the fact that he played up front and even I read an article the other day that he can start he can run reads because he played up front he can kind of read strikers movement and stuff um, his distribution is very good and the modern day goalkeeper that's a huge part of it so um, as Klopp even said the other night after the game or, or before the game the reason that they picked him was that his distribution and they wanted to play a certain way and they felt that he was um, he was well able for it um, and you can see by the other night the camps and you know he, he was very composed at all times and I mean he made three or four excellent saves and his distribution was very good not afraid to use his you know his, his left foot and they about played over strikers and I mean, he took a cross there in the last five minutes which when they were under a bit of pressure. You know, that, that was confidence. And he's had that confidence since he was young. And, I mean, it, it's, uh, it just shows. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, like, as you say, just to step into Champions League football and have it, like, it didn't phase him. He didn't look out of place in any way, shape or form. It's just an incredible achievement. And afterwards, he's just so calm, down to earth, kind of relaxed and just doesn't seem to be phased by the whole thing. No, I think that's I think that's that's why it was probably much easier for him to to, to play in that kind of situation. As uh, Jorgen Klopp was saying, like he's very he's very laid back, he's very calm. Um he's always been like that. Um like I since since the first time I started coaching him or that he's always been kind of calm and just relaxed and you know, he doesn't get phased. The bigger the game it doesn't phase him, he doesn't get worked up too easy. Um and I think that really stood to him as a goalkeeper. Um, like looking at even, I can remember speaking to Eddie Harrington. Um, obviously, Eddie made a huge call there back in when he was 14 about putting him in goal. Um, the t- time that the keeper, I don't know, did he leave or whatever. That was a huge call. Um, putting one of your best players outfield into goal. So there's a huge credit to go to Eddie Harrington and the, the ring man coaches there to making that big call after his father rang him and asked him. Um, because his father actually rang me and said, do you think he's ready? And I said, yeah. But I said, look, it's it's going to be the call of the coaches. So, I mean, Eddie and the ringman coach have done excellent work with him over the over them development years as well. And I know Eddie keeps in good contact with him and as well. The sky is the limit for, for Cuevin, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? It, it It's great to see somebody progress as well as he has because he's worked so hard for it. Um, he's dedicated a lot. He's sacrificed a lot. Um, you know he trained very hard from a young age, um, and even every time that like I know when he's home, he he, he meets up with his friends, and you know he's very he's very down to work. There's no, I mean, he, he, as as you can see on after the any interviews you see him, and even when he was with, with the international squad, he's very laid back with things. Mm. Um, and the bigger the games, they, they won't phase him. Um, so I even was speaking to him recently enough, and we were talking about the playing in Anfield last year and. I said, you know, how, how did it feel? And he said it was just like another game. Mm. Um, and that's a great kind of way to have it. And I think that's where, I think working with, with Alison, who's one of, probably one of the best keepers in the world, um, on a daily basis is certainly going to stand to him. And um, he obviously got the experience last year playing in the League Cup. And I mean, it just shows there how much um, Klopp has faith and confidence in him that he plays him in an important Champions League game because they win that game last Wednesday which it did it now puts them through and he, he's able to rest players and so it was a big game for them um, and you know as you said there it's going to progress and he's going to get better and better and it's really you know it's, it's, it's all these small steps I mean if he didn't end up going in goal if that keeper maybe didn't play didn't um, go back to his own age I think it was at the time or mm. you know if I, if, if, if I wasn't speaking to his mother there's a number of things that just went well for him and we had a very good as I said we had a very good the FA had a very good um, set up in place at the time 
um, as well with the work that the club his, that Ringman did for him it's, it's it's really kind of stood to him. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, just to mention another um, former uh, player, protege of yours, Adam Ida, who's uh, been fantastic this season for Norwich to make the breakthrough for Ireland. Must make you particularly proud to see a player that you've coached like that to make the, the step up like that. Yeah, Adam. Adam's done very well. Um, and it's great to see him do so well with um, with Ireland the last few internationals and obviously, unfortunately, he got injured. Um, Adam, again, probably... I worked with Adam for two years. Um, then, obviously, he... I went on to go Ramblers and uh, Kevin Monane, um would have taken over for two or three years and there was great work done by Adam from a, from a young age he um, from, from probably 10 or 11 you knew he was a talent he was an exceptional athlete um, scoring goals from a very young age um, so it's you know it's, it's no surprise to see Adam where he is now and I think uh, like from, from I think Adam's going to get stronger and stronger I think he's like he's still only 19 Um doing very, very well with, with, with the international squad. It's just unfortunate to one with injury, but look, these things happen, obviously, as part of the game. And, you know, he, he'll be training hard and he'll get back, he'll get an opportunity again. And Joe with Norwich being in the championship, he, he certainly, um, he got he got treated very well last year in the FA Cup. And, you know, I think he's going to push on, um, which is going to be, uh, which will be good for him. Just finally, Stephen, confirmation this week, I suppose, that um, underage football um, couldn't continue um, which is massively um, disappointing, I suppose, for all the players who put in a lot of hard work this year. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, over the last number of weeks, especially the lockdown that we've been in for the last what, six weeks, players have been training with the with the hope um, that they'd get back playing, um, and it's just been unfortunate. Obviously, it's a, it's a very unique situation with the pandemic the way it is. Um, and obviously, public public health has um, made a decision through with, with the FAI that obviously it's not safe to return. It's, it's very disappointing because I think players that they want to play and they want to, to play, but obviously their safety and their health is the most important thing. And obviously, the powers and the government have decided that um, it's not safe at the moment. So it's it's very disappointing for them because you know it's it's, it's a huge um, kind of you know a chance for them to actually go out and play and. You know, we like even in schools and stuff like that. They've missed, they've lost out a lot. Um, so yeah, it's it's very disappointing. Is it frustrating though that underage GA can continue and football hasn't been given that opportunity? But you know, like, I mean, that comes down to the government and the FEI. The FEI make a decision. Um, I presume the FEI look at the risk assessment on exactly. You know, they have to look at the grassroots. They have to look at the national league. They have to look at. Um, from a young age and, and, and even I mean you have to look at like they were playing, playing closed doors um, for a while as well and I presume they take everything into account and they, they talk to Sports Ireland and then they have to make a decision and I mean it's, it's, on, it's a decision that the FBI and the government government and the public health make and which obviously affects um, and the, the GA obviously do the same on their side of it um, and they have to look into what you know between themselves and Sports Ireland and the government and they have to make a decision so it's kind of it, it's kind of out of, of obviously out of the the kids' uh, hands on that side of it. So a decision made, and it's unfortunate they're not playing because I think it would be great to have them back. And they're training, obviously they're training very hard, and you know having having something to play for, like in a league or in you know even anything, just just get a game or even contact um, is something that all the, all the players really want to do. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Fingers crossed we can get a resolution after Christmas, maybe. But Steve, thanks so much for talking to us today, and I will chat to you soon. 
No problem, thank you. Yeah, great to talk to uh, Stephen Birmingham there. Wide range chat in the end about uh, Cueving Kelleher and his progression uh, at Liverpool and Alameda, who Stephen would have coached, Corinthians, and I suppose the cessation as well of uh, underage football, which has been massively frustrating for everyone across Cork and indeed the whole country. But great to talk to our good friend uh, Stephen Birmingham today. All right, a massive week for Cork City. The Rebel Army preparing for the FAI Cup final this weekend as they take on P Mount United in Tala. City rounding off their preparations yesterday with a 2 1 win over Galway United. Saoirse Noonan scoring both. I spoke to manager Ronan Collins about the final today. All right, we're joined on the line now by Cork City manager Ronan Collins ahead of a massive week for the club. Ronan, first off, thanks very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench today. No hassle. Thanks very much for having me, Rory. No hassle at all. Um, come here, first off, um, ideal preparation, I suppose, for the final yesterday with a, a, a good win and a good performance. Yeah, yeah, no, good win, good performance, good maturity shown by the group. I suppose getting a team like Galway in that kind of game was always really good. They're very competitive, you know, Galway, very physical as well, put you under a lot of pressure and they're very fit. So there's a lot of attributes to Mountain Hill show, so it was good for us. I suppose to to get the parts right for that performance, but P Man's a different beast next week, so we'll need to bring that performance in a bit more. But we're well capable of it. Yeah, a bit of a confidence boost, I suppose, as well heading into the week that was. I suppose, I me mean, like coming up to a cup final, players could almost be forgiven for kind of like taking the focus off and taking the eye off uh, what's directly in front of them in, in yesterday's game. But that certainly didn't happen yesterday. No, no, and I, I suppose one target, obviously, it's been over a decade, I think it is, since the club finished in top four, so that was always a target at the start of the season we had set ourselves, and I suppose all season we had been there and thereabouts, and we knew yesterday we'd get a result to get that over the line, so from the girls' perspective, that was a big focus, they've been very focused on that all year, we set different performance indicators, and we had virtually achieved them all, but statistically we had a few more to get over the line yesterday and I think they showed yesterday that they were hungry to do that and like that's building blocks as well I suppose the squad we're the youngest squad in the league we're an average age of 20 so you know the girls know they've put in a lot of really good work this year but it's only steps on a long journey so we're we're moving forward with those steps has been hard, I suppose, to keep the girls kind of focused um, ahead of the cup final because, I mean, like, naturally, it's a massive achievement for the club to get into the cup final. It's been a couple of weeks since you got there in that semi-final win, so I mean, like, kind of tempering expectations and stuff. Has that been hard in training? No, I suppose. Like, we're we're very lucky. I suppose we, with a lot of competition and the girls have very good natural habits. I suppose even from being in the club so long, they they're kind of coming in much younger now. That you know how we train we do go week by week we set our different performance indicators each week and I gotta be performing and that's now by the time they reach senior it's even easier for us I suppose at senior level then because they're in that habit and mind frame you know so we're very lucky with the group we have for that but obviously there's excitement but I suppose one key thing we've always said is to we kind of take everything very even keeled and um, to go and enjoy every experience every week so we so we let them enjoy it as well and we don't make it a bigger deal than what it is but enjoy it for what comes of it as well you know so I suppose we focus and like we're very we do our work every week so this week I suppose that's another thing that helps keep everything normal and has done since they've qualified for the finalists they know the preparation's going to be the same as any other week um, and there'll be a few bits to enjoy in between whether it be a few photo shoots and media calls as well and there are things for the girls to savour as well Exactly yeah. and as you say P-Mount now to come in the final you played them a couple of weeks ago but I imagine there was a bit of shadow boxing going on between both sides that day was there? 
Ah, there was. There was a few changes. We we tried a few different things. Obviously, we have an idea of how we wanted to play against them, so we we used a few different tools to see what would work and what didn't. So quite a lot of it didn't work, but there was one or two things we took out of that. I suppose we we played each other now. We 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 there's actually a very good relationship between both teams. So we typically play each other pre-season and top of three four times every season. So there's not much to hide by this stage. It's who can perform on the day. Um, you'd probably head into the game as underdogs. Does that kind of suit you, I guess, going in a little bit under the radar? Yeah, and like Piment will be under a lot of pressure, I suppose. Um, they'd lost two finals in a row, and I suppose a lot of them would have been in the DLR team that the girls would have beaten in 2017 as well. So they have bad memories. So sometimes if we can put, get a good start, especially, we can maybe jog some of their bad memories, you know, that kind of way. So they'll be under pressure as well, you know. Um, but I suppose their record this year is they're 13-1 and in domestic football. They obviously were only knocked out on penalties by a team that reached the quarterfinal of the Champions League. So it's a serious level they're competing at. I know another one is um, they'll have more senior captain internationals on their bench than we will in our squad. So it shows the talent they have. But we cause teams problems with a lot of firepower ourselves and we play extremely good football so we know on our day that teams will do struggle to stick with us when we can apply that kind of pressure so the focus is on to bring that performance the girls they'll have no fear on it as well so, so we'll relish the position we're in Actually speaking of international football fantastic to see uh, Ave and Saoirse uh, call up to the, the Ireland squad for Ava to be uh, involved in the, the Whittle Down squad I suppose last week yeah, yeah, no, the girls have done really well and like I suppose from our perspective I think there's more to come from those girls and more girls in the squad as well so I expect them to be pushing on further but obviously it's a good good positive step on the road but I think those girls are just going from strength to strength and we're going to see them in more squads and pushing on further in those squads as well. Was she disappointed she was cut from the Ireland squad or was it just something she took in her stride or...? Well, I, I I think we we played Wexford I, the day after she found out, and she was terrific. So um, I think she took it in her stride. But naturally, she's a competitive player like any of us. She would be disappointed in that situation. But it it's a step on the road, and I I, I really think in the form she's shown this year and how she's maturing as a player, there's more to come. She got two cracking goals yesterday and imagine Piemont are going to have, I suppose, uh, a lot of attention on her, I suppose, next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, but one thing, I think, I think it's eight goals she's up to now, but she's seven assists as well. So one thing we found is, you know, if she's not scoring the goals very often, she's making them or creating the space for other players that can... Um, put the ball in net. We've had more players to score three goals and more than any other team in the league this year as well. So we're getting goals from all over the pitch and I think that's a real strength of ours is the quality of our team and the quality of our squad, the players we have to bring off our bench and even the players that mightn't make the match day squad, the competition they bring in training. That's that's really brought us forward. So that whole um, team dynamic has really helped us and then as individuals then it allows our individuals such as Saoirse to have an even greater influence on the team it makes it harder for opposition teams to shut their influence down Are you disappointed the game's not on the Aviva it's being played in Taller does it even matter at this stage? Um, uh, the girls will be disappointed I know um, I know one of our captain Maria O'Sullivan would have come up when it was the academy when she was a member of the academy of 15 or so and I remember talking to her after the game and 
she I remember saying she wanted to play in a cup final for Cork City in the Aviva. And um she's obviously she's I know how she's worked over those three years to put herself in a position where she's with a team that have qualified for that and then it's not on in the Aviva at the end of the season she's now going to America. So she may not get that opportunity that she's put a lot of work into. But in the end of the day it's it's still eleven v eleven. It's still on a page of football, so it's still that game. But from the girls' perspective, they put a lot of work in. Um, and it would have been great to see, you know, our national final played in our national stadium. Yeah, it certainly will. And it's disappointing, I guess, for the players, I guess, that their families can't be there to, to watch them in person. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's the big thing. Hopefully, it's something that can be looked on maybe during the week, I suppose, it's in all sport, but especially in women's sport, like you, you notice that players' parents have been a huge supporter and driver for them. We always think they're like extended members of the squad. Um, and, and we all know everyone's parents, you know, and not just obviously management will, but even the players do. Um, and we, we can nearly tell who, who's in the sand by the way they're, they're shouting, you know, and the, and, 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 the, yeah. and the cheers they're giving, you know, we're so used to them. And like, that's very tough. And, like we, we especially we've such a young squad that like we have players driving from all over Munster and it's their parents that are putting their time and effort and work in and it would be great if 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 obviously it applies to you know public gu- health guidelines but it would be great to see if we'd be able to get a parent or two in for each of the players it's such a special moment for them and it'd be great for them to be able to share that. Yeah, fingers crossed. You see, in the Premier League this weekend, there's 2,000 fans in, in, in stadiums, so there's no reason, I suppose, why it can't happen here for, for not just the, the Cup final, I suppose, but other sports going forward as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, obviously, they've trialled that in England, so it'll be interesting to see what, I suppose, the health implications of it are. I know it's something they've done in Germany from a while back, I think, yeah. but obviously the experts will know better. But if it is something that's safe, and, like, obviously... I hope it is you know Tallis Stadium is quite a big stadium I think there'll be ample space for 200 people or so to socially distance if it was something that were possible it would be fantastic for the players because this is a moment for them to treasure yeah fingers crossed and this week now I mean like training wise is it basically the same as every other week or does it take on an extra significance because it's cup final week or just trying to keep everything as normal as possible yeah, no, same same as every week. We'd be, we be very stringent in how we prepare for every game. Um, and I suppose, like, even looking at the game yesterday and the performance the girls bring, I think that shows it. So we'll be just doing the same as every week. And um, hopefully that will be enough to get us over the line come this time Saturday. Well, fingers crossed indeed, Ronan. Thanks very much for talking to us. Best of luck on Saturday. And fingers crossed we'll be talking about a win for the Rebel Army. Brilliant. Thanks, Roy, and thanks for all the support. We'll be ta- talking to you again. Yeah, absolutely delighted there to speak to Roland Collins. Very best of luck to Cork City in the Cup final this coming Saturday. Disappointing that it is not at the Aviva Stadium and that uh, people can't come or can't go to the games. There's a text in here on 0868104106 on that very issue. It says, The Cork City players and management deserve huge credit for the progress they've made over the last 18 months. It's very disappointing, however, that the final is in Tala as opposed to the Aviva Stadium and also that players can bring two family members to the game in an 8,000-seater stadium. There would be no issues with social distancing. Agree 110% with that. It'd be fantastic if some sort of arrangement could be uh, made uh, over the next few days that would allow family members to attend at the Aviva uh, at at Tala Stadium on Saturday. So fingers crossed that'll happen.
I wouldn't hold out too much hope but um, regardless very best luck to the Rebel Army this weekend and fingers crossed we'll be talking about a Cork City win uh, the winner of our Supermax voucher thanks to our friends at Supermax is Brendan Lyons from Canturk who correctly uh, told us that uh, Cork beat Galway today in the All-Ireland semi-final now we are out of time thank you very much indeed for tuning into our show this evening if you've missed any part of it if you missed yesterday's show you can get it on our podcast on redfm.ie and redextra.ie or from wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back with another busy weekend of sports next weekend, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Alan Donovan's up next with Green on Red. Three hours of the very best Irish music coming away right here on Cork's Red FM. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well and on Instagram at Big Red Bench. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, folks, and we'll talk to you next weekend. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.